always, but even more so now, Lord. Would we see the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ and hear their voice and be with them? Lord, I pray. I pray those that are sick. I pray for those that are traveling. I pray for those who are caught in the chaos of this world, Lord, that you would just hear their voice and give them peace, give them healing, give them direction, Lord. Give us direction. to what you would have for us. Lord, I thank you for everything that you have given us. Even the breath in our lungs. But as we transition, Lord, from worshiping you through music into worshiping you through your word. Lord, I pray we would hear your voice through it all. Through any distraction in this room, through any distraction for those online, through any distraction for those outside of here. And as we go, I pray for your guidance, your navigation through the storm that is so often life. that we would hear your voice and keep our eyes locked on you for what you have for us and where you would guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. worship team. We're pretty awesome, aren't we? I'm, no, no. They're pretty awesome. I just hit the keys randomly. Uh, and it turns out to be right sometimes. So, good morning. Welcome to this September 24th. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what day it is. Um, uh, Jim left me his list. So I will get them all right. So, men's breakfast, the first Saturday of October. 
uh, 9 a.m. Be there along with the bacon. <laughs> Ladies' breakfasts are the third Saturday at 10 a.m. More of a brunch, apparently way less bacon. Um, and yeah. Um, what else do we have here on the list? Ladies' study, Thursdays at 2 p.m. I think that's being led by Judy, good. And then the recovery group on Tuesdays at 1 p.m., back-to-back. Uh, oh, no, back-to-back if they're on the same day. They're on two different days, so one's on Thursday. Ladies' studies at Thursday at 2 p.m., uh, recovery groups on Tuesday at 1 p.m. I don't know why you put those in reverse order of the week. That just confuses me. Um, October is Pastor's Appreciation Day, and we have four, kind of. I'm one, but, you know, I'm here. No, but seriously, uh, we have a great crew um, that comes and staffs us uh, while we're in this period of looking for a lead pastor. And, um, you know, regardless of whatever you think about me, uh, the, the other three that, that uh, come here and preach and, and help guide us, like Judy, um, really deserve uh, some appreciation for, for their calling into our, and their, their speaking into our lives uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, on the 21st of October, we have our first, hopefully annual, mac and cheese uh, cook-off. Um, there's a sign-up out there. Uh, sign up if you're just going to come, and also sign up if you're going to bring mac and cheese. Please bring mac and cheese. We also, I think, are trying to get a special judge uh, for, for that. So... <laughs> uh, for that, um, that cook-off. And we, uh, I think Marcy has volunteered to uh, do uh, Michigan's for those who, who like mac and cheese but also want some protein uh, uh, with them. So uh, our tithes and offerings, uh, we couldn't do what we do here without you guys and, and your faithful giving. Um, you know, we're called to, to, to give ourselves, to give, to give financially, to give sacrificially. And uh, it's clear that this church does that. So thank you. Uh, there's boxes on the back. You can give online or you can, uh, there's one outside if, if, if you'd like to do it that way. Um, Jessica is our scripture reader this morning. Yeah, you see that symbol on the top of it? <laughs> so the worship team sounds amazing, but the tech team is having a little bit of issues today, so I ask you to bear with us. We have a little gremlin that has doesn't want to bring up any screens, so please bear with us. I restarted the computer. <laughs> okay, so today, switch worlds here. Today I'm reading from Genesis chapter 7, <laughs> verses 11 to 12. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth. And the floodgates of the heaven were opened, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Thank you, Jessica. So... This morning, 
fittingly enough, we're talking about chaos. <laughs> Let's start off with some prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray as I give the words that you've given me to preach to this community of believers, this church, Lord, I pray that you would hear, that they would hear your voice in it, Lord. I pray that your words would be emblazoned on their heart. And I would speak only the words that you would have me speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. Interesting. If I were a betting man, I would venture a bet that we all have chaos going on in our lives right now. The tech team certainly has it going on right now. Um, and that's okay. We probably uh, encounter chaos on a daily basis, multiple times a day. I'm learning that in multiple ways, but the biggest one right now is a living ball of chaos in my home named Addie. Um, <laughs> But it's not just one-and-a-half-year-olds or maybe even puppies that cause chaos, is it? We've met plenty of chaotic people, some of whom may even be in this room right now. Um, <laughs> and even groups of people tend to generate chaos. Many of us have probably heard the, the term, a person is smart, but people are dumb. It's a pretty common term, and I think it, it shows that no matter how calm or collected we may be, when we get in a group, that doesn't necessarily ring true anymore. And this year, we ourselves experienced some chaos from not just people or or or. or, or uh, animals or, or things directly that affected just us, but we as a group were affected by chaos. We see the fires and the smoke that affected us from Canada, and then the horrible flooding from multiple storms this summer. Never mind the rest of the country dealing with flooding and multiple storms of their own, and even Ma large portions of Maui burning down. All chaos. So what does this have to do, or how does this connect to what Jessica read, Noah, and the beginning of the flood, and the creation story? The very beginning of the creation story. Noah, I'm sure you can kind of point to being a little chaotic. You hear the water flowing out of the ground. It seems like a, a lot's happening. Water destroying the whole earth. 
the creation story is all about the beginning of the earth. Let's reread Genesis 1, 1 through 2 with one change. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and the darkness covered the deep chaos. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the chaos. This is very similar to the, how the original context is understood by both its writers and its original audience. In the biblical narrative, there are so many stories that have water as the central point of chaos that needs to be overcome. We see chaotic water show up over and over in the biblical narrative that when you read with a careful eye, you see it everywhere. And that chaos that we see everywhere in the Bible, if we look around us today, chaos seems to be coming the norm in our rapid modern lives. Chaos is obviously not new. We read about it here at the very beginning of creation. But it does seem to be very relevant to the world we are living in today. Chaos washes over us like tumultuous waves of a planet that is formless and void. Or sometimes it erupts from beneath us, like in the story of Noah, flooding our entire lives and destroying everything we're not prepared to save. So how do we stand against the chaos that the Bible describes, that shows up so often in our lives today? The first point I want to make is actually, we can't. At least not under our own power. We do not have the power to wrestle away our lives from the grip that is chaos. In Genesis 1, God hovers over the chaotic primordial waters and calls forth order from it. The last time I looked, at something chaotic and tried to call order from it, she screamed and ran away. <laughs> oh, wait. Addie isn't the actual embodiment of chaos. Um, when we look at Genesis 7 and God commissioning Noah to build a boat, it's because the chaos that is to come is going to be too great for him to handle alone. So God gives him the tools to deal with it and the instruction to deal with it. Later on in the Bible, we see in Jonah, in Jonah 1, Jonah being trapped in a storm. Why? Because he's fleeing from God's will. He's fleeing order, and he encounters chaos. Make no mistake, chaos will swallow you up, and there is nothing you can do about it at least by yourself. How many of you have been whitewater rafting? Handful of people. What would have happened if you didn't have a guide or a decent boat when you hit the rapids? You go in the water. 
What would happen, maybe you had the boat, but you didn't have a guide, or you had just a bad guide? You know, what if, what if it was, Kyle, you didn't raise your hand for whitewater rafting, right? What if Kyle was your guide? <laughs> it could be just as bad as not having a guide at all, if not worse. Because at least if you don't have one, or you don't have a decent boat, you kind of know what you're expecting when you get into it. You kind of know that, eh, this is a little sketchy. If uh, Kyle rolls up on his, his white water rafting boat and says, no, everything's great. We're going to get down the river just fine. It puts you in a false sense of complacency. Sometimes we rely on things that we shouldn't when the waters of chaos are around us. People and things, we think they'll take us through, but they won't. We'll end up flipped over, crashed against the rocks, not knowing what to do. It's the same no matter what, whether we follow someone who doesn't know or we try to do it ourselves. Chaos comes and throws us overboard. So I told you all the horrible things that chaos can bring, um, but how do we survive all of this chaos? Again, we see it in our lives. We, we get through it. We muddle through it somehow, usually. But how do we truly survive and thrive by going through this chaos? If you've noticed or, or been paying close attention, I've mentioned several instances of chaos being controlled. In each instance, God takes control. In the creation narrative, it is literally his voice calling out to the chaotic, watery void, and everything that we know springs from it. Just the words of God turn chaos into creation. With Noah, we see he gives Noah the plans and materials to build a boat that will save him, his family, and every living species. Can I call out to the chaos and make it do my will? Like I mentioned earlier, I can't even get my chaotic daughter to listen. How am I going to get a force that has been around since before time to listen to me? There's no real way of doing this on our own. We see God take his rightful place over and over as the creator from chaos. At the beginning of creation, using just his words to bring chaos into check. I think it's important to see the tools that God is using. He uses his words. This is not just Well, there's more to it than just his words. And John explains and makes the connection in the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, 
and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John, in his first 18 verses of his Gospels, spells out who Jesus is in beautiful, poetic fashion. Jesus is the Word of God. So now let's go back to God wrangling chaos with just his words. Jesus is the action. Jesus is the verb. Jesus is the words of God. Jesus is the one who created, whom all creation went through. The part of God used as action and creation. Jesus not only has the power to wrangle chaos, he is that power. We see Jesus in Matthew and Mark wrangle chaos several times, but here are two where water is the agent of that chaos. In Matthew 14, 22 through 33, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples go back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. And then in Mark 4, 35-41, As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves 
obey him. Jesus and Matthew both walks and has Peter come out and walk on the water with him. And in Mark, he's taking a nap. And even the experienced sailors on board the boat are absolutely freaking out about the storm. And Jesus speaks. He basically says the equivalent of shh to the wind and water, and it stops. But I want to look at verse 41 in Mark. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. They were amazed, but they were terrified. Not because they realized that Jesus was truly the Son of God, but because they realized that even chaos, the chaos of the waves and wind, bow to his voice. Jesus truly is the one who can not only calm the chaos in their lives, but bring new creation from it. He is the Messiah. When chaos hits us, we freak out too, don't we? Often no different than the disciples. When the chaotic seas are all around us, we freak out. It looks different for all of us. Maybe you shut down and shut everyone and everything out to try and block out the chaos. Or maybe you're one to have a panic attack and just sit there frozen in fear of what's going on. Maybe you try and smile and ignore it while the seas rise around you and eventually drown you in the very chaos that you're trying to ignore. Maybe you cope with chaos in some other unhealthy way that I've mentioned. But do you see the thread that connects all the problems with all the examples I gave? You're alone. You're trying to do it by yourself. You can't control the chaos just like you can't control the ocean or the weather or little happy girls. <laughs> but as Christians, we are called to something else, aren't we? We all know the destructive capability of chaos. But then again, we all know the creative power of Jesus Christ. Think back to Jesus' parable of the man who built his home on the sand. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and the floods come, the winds bear against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. All this leads to the conclusion that having faith knowing 
listening and following Jesus is the first and largest step in helping control the chaos in our lives. The end is to take all that and put it into action, just as Peter, when he walked on the water with Jesus. And don't get me wrong, God's not necessarily going to take the chaos away. If we look at that story with Peter walking on the water, the storm was still there. It just had no effect on him at all, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. And the second he took his eyes off, the chaos tried to swallow him up again. But Jesus was there to save him. That fixation on Jesus is what we need in our lives today. So often we allow the busyness of our lives to pull our attention. That when the storm hits, chaos enters our lives. Instead of looking towards Jesus, all we see, like Peter, is the storm surrounding us. We focus on the hurt, the pain, or whatever the problem that chaos is causing in that moment. When Peter lost focus during the storm and stopped focusing on Jesus, all of a sudden, the storm had power again. So I want you to think, just take a moment. What's the chaos doing in your life today? Are you relying on Jesus? Or are you allowing the chaos to take your eyes off him? Have you built your foundation on solid rock so that when the chaos comes, it can't sweep you away? Like the man who builds his home on sand. I messaged a friend about some chaos in my life right now, looking for just some words of wisdom. He asked me a few simple questions. Are you reading the Bible? Are you praying? And who do you have around you to support you in your walk? These are the tools we have to stay connected to Jesus so that the chaos in our lives is powerless. And yet, so often, the first thing we discard when the chaos hits are these things. Oh, it's busy right now. Things are crazy right now. I'll pray later. You know what? My car broke down. I've got to get to work or I've got to get it fixed. I'll read the Bible later. I'll take my study time at a different time. 
I don't know, man, I'm really busy. I don't know if we can do Bible study this week. I don't know if we can have that conversation that we were planning on having. These are the tools we have to stay connected to Jesus. They break out into a million different other things. But these are the tools that he's given us. When the wind and the waves of chaotic waters are around us, they have no power if we continue to stay fixated on Jesus. They can crash along the rocks in our foundation, and we will stay firmly placed where God has us. It may not be fun, and it may be slightly terrifying, but with the faith that God has granted us, we know, we know that there is nothing that those waves can do to us. No matter how crazy it gets, no matter how crazy what God is asking us to do, Peter in the middle of the storm hopped out of the boat when Jesus told him to. I'm sorry, that's a little crazy. But he did it because he was fixed on Jesus. He knew, he had the faith, he knew what God was calling him to and that he would never, could never be hurt by what God was calling him to. That the chaos had no power over him. no matter how crazy it may seem that God has you walking on the waves over the deep, the outcome will always be your salvation as long as you have trusted him in that walk. And I'll close with this. Um, My friend made this final comment in our conversation He said, I know things get difficult and the harder it gets, the more distant your relationship with Christ can feel.
but it's only if we let it. It's only if we allow the chaos to take our focus off of Christ. It's not simple, and chaos will try to push your focus somewhere other than Christ. But if we build our foundation on him, there is nothing the chaos in this world can do to even make us think about sinking within it.
Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are there in the chaos when everything doesn't make sense, when everything seems random, or that the universe is against you. I know that all I have to do is call your name and you will be there to save me. And while, Lord, I focus on you, which admittedly I don't do as often or as much as I should be, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room, Lord, I pray, Lord, that instead of allowing ourselves to be consumed by the chaos, to be washed over by the waves, that you that we would hear your voice and focus on you we wouldn't hear the wind or the waves. No. Because you are there protecting us from them. That no matter how bad the storm is, when we focus on you, we can walk over them like they're solid land. So as we go this morning into the world, into this place outside of these four walls, outside of our church community, into the chaos that this world brings. That we would continue to focus on you through it all that our eyes would be on you through it all. In Jesus's, the word of God's name. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs>